Hello everybody, I'm Matt Mikucci and you are listening to the Jazz Ace Podcast. Hello everybody, Jazz A's online editor Matt Mikucci here welcoming you to a new episode of our podcast series of conversations with some of the most amazing artists on the jazz and creative music scene today, a series that we simply like to call The Jazz A's Podcast. And it's brought to you in conjunction with Jazz A's Vinyl Club, a series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz A's editors and that is an absolute must for lovers of jazz and vinyl alike. And our guest today is keyboardist, composer and producer Bennett Pastor, one of the most creative and versatile voices on the New York music scene. He's here to share insight into his latest album of all original compositions, Radiance, which feels like a personal love letter to the jazz piano trio. In our conversation, Pastor shares with us how the record was born out of a desire to make an album of music understated, and how its birth was influenced by the trying times of the pandemic lockdowns. He also shares with us his perspective on Groove, one of the record's central elements as a unifying force, and why he believes that his music is often a reaction to more complicated trends in contemporary jazz. All this and more in my conversation with the artist coming up right now. So fire up an audiotini and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. This is the Jazz Ace Podcast. Hello, Bennett. Welcome to the Jazz Ace Podcast. Thanks for having me, Matt. It's great to meet you. It's great to meet you too. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you on our podcast series. So uh, the tradition here at the Jazz Ace Podcast is to start off with an icebreaker question, as I like to put it. And what I like to do is I like to just ask the artists I speak with to share a memory with me from early life or childhood of a moment when, you know, when they think back to it, they realize, you know, maybe that's when I started awakening to the beauty and power of music and Maybe that's when I started uh, thinking I'd become a musician. I'd like to become a musician when I grow up. So is there one such moment or memory that you could share with us at this time? Yeah, great question. Um, I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which we do have a couple famous jazz musicians from there, including John Lewis from the Modern Jazz Quartet, but I I never heard him growing up. Um, And my parents weren't jazz fans. So it's a music I came to a lot through my band director, Ken Atkins, at the school that I attended 6th through 12th grade. But um, at first, I didn't like jazz. And I just, it seemed, it wasn't music I'd ever heard. It wasn't on the radio. Uh, my parents didn't have the records. So one night, we were watching PBS. Um, I was probably in 7th grade. And there was a live at Newport broadcast on from the Newport Jazz Festival. Um And I was just starting to like jazz, so it seemed like something I should check out. And I heard Michelle Petrucciani's trio play this song that I later found out was called Regina. And I just had this moment where I was like, that, that's what I want to do. It's Everything about it was so wonderful. It was with Polly Danielson and Elliot Zygmunt. And the composition was so brilliantly melodic and modern and straight eighth. And it didn't sound straight ahead, but it just... I don't know, it just caught me like right there. And I ran to the cassette recorder 
in my parents' living room because I knew it was being simulcast on our local uh, NPR radio station and recorded it. And I subsequently learned and transcribed that song and bought Michelle's records. And just the whole thing just inspired me. But it really was a like, it was like a template for the kind of modern, open, melodic jazz that I still feel like is at the core of, of who I am. So what age would you have been uh, when that happened? Probably 13. 13. So that's when, you know, really you started getting into jazz then. Yeah, I had played music since I was six or seven. You know, my mother took me to this music class in Albuquerque where all these organs were set up in a square around the room. I think it was put on by the Yamaha Corporation. Um, and the teacher said, oh, you know, your son has, has perfect pitch or a really good pitch and you should get him piano lessons. And I can still remember, you know, ever since then, always wanting to be at a keyboard. But the moment where I really fell in love with jazz, I think, you know, that that Michelle Petrucciani at, live at Newport moment is really felt like a turning point to me where I thought to myself, yeah, like that. What a cool life that would be. Right. And yes, I mean, you know, the life of a musician is, you know, cool, but it also has its challenges. Right. Uh, so did you know how, you know, because sometimes it's 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 kind of an, you know, people don't think about it, but it's not a given like you don't know what to do when you realize what you want to do in life and much less for a musician so how did you figure it out i in i think my junior year of high school i had a friend named elisa valdez uh who's a well-known writer now at the time she was playing tenor saxophone and we worked together in albuquerque played together a lot and did some of my first professional jobs and she said to me come on bennett you know you want to be a musician just don't you know, stop fooling yourself. You definitely want to do this. And she gave me that encouragement to get like over that hump. But I, my, and my parents always raised me to be, you know, to follow my dreams and follow my passions. I was never expected to go to medical school or law school, but I was expected to go to college. Um, but luckily I got into a five-year double degree program at Tufts University and New England Conservatory of Music and was able to get a liberal arts degree and a jazz studies degree at the same time. So that felt like a good first step. But it's as you say, it is sort of hard to know how to be a professional, right? Musician, right? If you don't have a role model. Yeah. yeah. Um, at one point we had, I think early in college, a friend of mine uh, connected us with Billy Hart and we brought him out to New Mexico to play some gigs with us. Just a bunch of college upstarts, you know, hiring one of the very best jazz drummers in the world. And I, I don't even think I realized at that time how famous he was and how important he was. And he came and he saw my parents' house and he said to me, oh, pastor, you know, you don't have to do this. You, you could pick another life. I can see by what's going on here that like, you know, you don't have to be a musician. This is a hard life. Are you ready to travel? Are you ready to work? Are you ready to struggle? And I, you know, I thought a lot about that moment since then um, because at age 80 something, right? 80, almost 83, uh, I think Billy just turned 83 this week. He has the same birthday as my dad, coincidentally enough, literally to the year. Um, you know, he's still playing gigs with people old, young and old and all around the world. So I, I'm i not as famous as Billy Hart or as accomplished, but I do. I often think about that moment and think to myself, you know, you really have to want this. You do really have to work for it. And it is uh, a constant struggle to sort of invent and reinvent yourself and find ways to use, uh, you know, for, for us each to use our creativity 
to also sustain ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I've, I'm sure you can relate to that in the fields you're in. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, anything cultural is, is always, yeah, it takes a lot of passion, I feel like, in the arts. But um, yeah, so uh, I, I'd love to know more about your journey. Uh, and, you know, maybe we can introduce your, your latest album, Radiance, a little bit, because this is an album of all original compositions. And so I would love to ask you uh, about you and composition. So when did you first start composing music? Even if it was just like, you know, tiny little tunes, you know, as you were learning to play the piano. Uh, but uh, did it, is it something that you started doing from an early age? Yeah, I remember, I always liked to be at the piano and just improvise. And my teachers in Albuquerque didn't quite know what to do with me. They weren't really jazz teachers at first. And I think they could tell by how my sight reading, you know, wasn't up to the level of what I could improvise, that maybe I was not destined to be a great classical pianist. Um, but I've always loved just making up music and just being at the piano and playing uh, or any keyboard and playing. And I, I do remember writing tunes as early as middle school, but it felt like, you know, right at the end of high school and the beginning of college when my compositions really started to stick for me and be things that I, I realized I really enjoyed playing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and in terms of radiance, uh, to talk to maybe introduce the album a little more. Was there any vision, anything particular, any driving concept that you sought to explore with this project? Yeah. Um, during the pandemic, I found myself looking constantly for like this perfect, soothing jazz piano trio record, something you could put on that would just like soothe your soul and calm the nerves and be really listenable and really crafty, but at the same time, not demand like, you know, all of your listening attention, not to be something that was like so advanced or so intense or so dense. And I, I did find that record in a number of places. Um, you know, for me, the Bill Evans Sunday at the Vanguard is kind of that album. Um, and I also fell in love with this Larry Golding's record with David Pilch and uh, Jay Belrose called Music from the Front Room, which is kind of a modern example of that. And I just thought to myself, I want to make a record like that. My last record, it has like as many as seven people on some tracks and lots of different keyboards and, you know, it gets pretty intense and there's some overdubs. And I just thought, you know, I want to make an album that's just straightforward and soulful and melodic and grooving. That's just the kind of album you could put on at any time when you need your soul just to be soothed and satisfied. So I had this idea of calling the album Understated. Right. And I thought that we might write a bunch of, uh, that I might write a bunch of tunes that were as sort of concise and as simple as I could write, but still be clever and crafty and melodic and memorable. So I, I did that. And the tunes eventually started to flow into this sort of set of music, right? With this concept understated. And then finally, when, you know, COVID died down enough that the guys in my trio and I could get together and start to rehearse in person again, because boy, I mean, I, like all musicians, I missed that social aspect of music so much during the pandemic. I really needed, you know, to feel like we were being together and we were creating something. Somehow just sitting in my studio alone just never felt as inspiring. Um, so we got together and started playing the songs and it just, I mean, it felt so great to play and these feelings that I hadn't hardly had in a couple of years, right? Yeah. And we just, we tried to be understated. And even with the set of tunes we had, it just didn't work. There was just too much excitement, too much passion, too much love, too much that we wanted to say. And I, I started thinking about it and I said, well, you know, guys, these are the rules we talked about. And are we going to, can we be, can we play less? 
And finally, I just decided, you know what? You just got to let the music be what it wants to be. It's so much better to let the music decide rather than than for us to decide. Not that we don't always make creative choices, right? Because we do. But the music blossomed into what it wanted to be. And I just decided we should call the album Radiance instead of Understated. And I think in a lot of ways, maybe that's a more commercial title and a more appealing title. Because perhaps Understated could sound like lazy or... Uh, you know, disinterested. And, and and it wasn't those things. But Radiance, I think, really expresses what we're trying to do, you know, just to have some love and some light in, in this music. Yeah, and also I think it's a, it's a great title for a work to come out after, you know, as you said, the difficult period of the pandemic lockdowns when literally people uh, around the world weren't allowed to, uh, you know, leave their homes, much less attend live concerts. But uh, you mentioned that this album, so this album was recorded in your own studio. Yeah. I love to work in my own studio and I love my piano. And um, there's something great about not having, you know, to be on the clock when you're in the studio, just to know you can have as much time as you need. And of course, it never really works that way with people's schedules. But we did, um, you know, we recorded a lot of the record on our first attempt in December uh, 2022. And then we got together again in January and the bass player had been recovering from a case of COVID, but the date was in the book and we just decided to do it. And we went back and listened and we just thought, well, that was okay, but I bet we could do better. So we just came back again a couple of weeks later and played a bunch of those same tunes again. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm glad we had the luxury of doing that. Yeah. And, and but I do love to work for my own space. You, you do, do, do you, like prefer it in some in a way have you gotten so used to it that now that's that's your preferred way of uh, creating uh, projects like Radiance well Radiance is just a piano trio record with acoustic piano acoustic bass and drum set and in some ways we could have done it in another studio that might have had a better sounding drum room or you know a little more space like this would not have been a hard record to make in a lot of other studios here in in, in New York City um but a lot of times the work I do here, if it's, you know, whether for my projects or for many of the other people I record keyboards for, you never know what keyboard you're going to need. And I can go from my vintage Hammond organ to my Wurlitzer electric piano to my Honer clavinet to my mini Moog or to any of my modern keyboards and plugins and, and just have it all right here. Plus the Steinways here. So I love being able to work from home for that reason. Um, but for this record, I guess, you know, we almost did go to another studio. We really thought about it, and uh, I listened to some of the records from that studio, and it was very impressive. But we just ended up doing it here, I guess, maybe out of force of habit. track you are hearing is from Radiance by Bennett Pastor and his trio featuring Gary Wang on bass and Tony Mason on drums. We'll resume our conversation with the artists in a moment, but first I wanted to remind you that if you love jazz and vinyl, you should check out Jazz Is Vinyl Club, a new series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz Is editors and featuring some of the most exciting jazz artists from yesterday and today that we cover in the print version of Jazz Is, jazzis.com and these Jazz Is podcasts. Go to jazzis.com and click on Join Vinyl Club. And now, back to our conversation with Bennett Pastor. Mm-hmm. 
You know, this is a jazz uh, piano trio album. And we talked about, you know, the times of the pandemic, lockdowns and whatnot. Uh, but it, for this to come out after that time and for it to be, you know, a jazz piano trio album, is there some importance to that, personally speaking? Like, is there a reason why you felt like this was the album that you wanted to make with a trio? Because you worked with trios before, but like for it to come out, after you know the times that we lived through uh is there any reason for that is this your personal love letter to the jazz uh piano trio that's an interesting question my last two strictly piano trio records with the group pastor ryan and hall were from the earlier 2000s you know they were there are many records back at this point on my list um and the last record indivisible was you know like i said had as many as seven people on some of the tracks with percussion and guitar and saxophone. Um, to me, the piano trio, it's just a perfect format with the two harmonic instruments and the three rhythmic instruments. And it's just like infinitely nimble, you know? I had a steady Friday trio gig in, in Manhattan for years, uh, which ended at the pandemic. Um, that last Friday before lockdown was the last time I played up there. And it was just a restaurant gig, but we cherished it because we could do anything we wanted. You know, and this same trio who's on my record of Gary Wong on bass and Tony Mason on drums played up there some. And there's just, and we played other places too. And I've been working with these guys on and off for 20 years in different formats, but there's just something about the piano trio that's, it allows you to express yourself so clearly and eloquently. And it it's so nimble and that you can change directions if you want to, or you can do things that aren't planned or play things in in a new way without it being uh i don't know there's something very essential about it and i also think it feels to me like the second i add a horn player to my trio you know saxophone or trumpet that it becomes just a jazz gig we tend to lean back on the the conventions of jazz um whereas when i play with this trio we're just as informed by pop music or brazilian music or latin music or or free jazz uh you know as we are by straight ahead jazz um I'm lucky to be with these guys that are so broad based and they just, wherever we want to go, we just go. So I guess in that regard, the piano trio seemed, uh, seemed like it was time for that. But also I, I wanted to do something that was just live and that was people being together and playing together and celebrating that togetherness in through music. Right. So it could have been any group of musicians, I guess, doing that. But for me, the piano trio feels like my voice feels like an extension of my, of my voice. Right. And also, uh, when we talk about influences and whatnot, you know, you, uh, don't only play jazz. So do experiences outside of jazz also help you, you know, come up uh, and, and create a project like Radiance? For sure. I mean, I, I try not to ever draw lines unless I choose to, you know, like we had this sort of set of rules that was the understated rules for this record, but I never said, Oh, this isn't going to have you know, songs that are straight eighth or it's only going to be swing eighth note songs or it's, you know, we, we love to play standards and we love to play tunes by all the great jazz composers, Wayne Shorter, Thelonious Monk, right? But this record, we just followed what the songs wanted. We followed where the songs wanted to go. 
You know, I, you mentioned uh, Indivisible, and I remember coming across that album when I when I when it was first released, and you had some interesting thoughts about groove. I remember, you know, it was almost like the power of groove transcending cultures, nations, races, and religion, and uniting people everywhere. Uh, so I, I would love for you to talk more about uh, this idea of groove being a uniting force among people. I think rhythm is the first thing that people react to and relate to when they hear music, right? It's the easiest thing to 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 hear for trained musicians or non-musicians. And even if you hear a style of music that's something really new, you know, if I heard a style of music from a part of South America or Africa or the Middle East that I didn't know, I'd be pulled in right away by the rhythm first, right? And maybe then the melody, but there's just something about rhythm that you know, it puts everybody like in the same framework. It's a graph paper for your for your existence in that moment, right? And if you're sharing that experience with other listeners, then it can unite you with those people, right? Everyone's tapping their foot and bobbing their head or dancing at the same time. Just like when we play our music together, that that groove is what, it's like the glue that's keeping us, you know, allowing us to push and pull and and create the whole color palette that we're painting above it. Um, so I, you know, Indivisible was definitely about groove, um, but I think Radiance also is about groove. And there's there's really only one song on the record, plus a couple of introductions to two others that are not in a sort of steady pulse and where I feel like, you know, groove is like the main, the prime directive of the album. And that's why I love to- drummer Tony Mason and bassist Gary Wong, because they just, they really understand how to, how to groove, you know, profoundly, heavily, deeply. And with love and they also know you know when to go with when to come with me and when to stay against me to make the song groove right if that makes sense tony understands if i'm pulling or pushing against his where he's putting his quarter notes or eighth notes he knows like when i need him to stay there and not change so that my things being a little bit off the beat have reference to where he's putting the beat you know and gary's the same way harmonically he knows when when I'm going somewhere and he needs to come along and he knows when his job is just to stay right where it is. Like I almost never had to tell these guys that, you know, and that's, that's one thing I love about them. Um, but yeah, groove is groove's really important to us. Um, and I just, I love the way it feels the same way. I love the way, you know, harmonic music feels tonal music. I studied a lot of atonal music in college and I, I do have an appreciation for atonal music, but the gravity of tonal music feels so great. The same way that steady pulse grooves feel so great. Like, why why work harder you know right yeah in a sense i feel like this record was a reaction to how complicated some other jazz has gotten in the world and i love to go listen to that you know i heard miguel zanon's quartet at the village vanguard a while ago and i was was like wow or i just heard rob garcia's quartet at ibeam in brooklyn a couple nights ago and it's so prodigious and so i mean what a group concept Rob's band has. It, it was just some of the most amazing music I've heard, but I was like, oh, I'm really glad I don't have to play this with these guys tonight because it's just like a lot of intensity. And sometimes I like to work less hard. Yeah. You know? And there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> it can be quite refreshing. Of course not. No, I was, it was one of the best nights of music I've heard in a long yeah. time. Both those things were. But I feel like sometimes my music is as much a reaction to that, the level of density and intensity and harmonic complexity that jazz has gotten to. Certainly with this record, I was trying to say, like, can I write simple songs, bluesy songs, songs that, that are rootsy, but still crafty, you know, and, and clever. And I, hopefully they don't come across as being too simple. 
I think if you listen carefully, you'll see that I've tried to infuse some some clever elements of modern harmony or rhythmic things that are in there, you know. But the goal is it should still come across as listenable to somebody who maybe has never even heard jazz. And Bennett, we're recording this interview relatively close to the end of 2023. So I wanted to ask you uh, if there's any kind of ambition or dream or goal that's kind of floating about in your head uh, that you would like to pursue maybe in the near future, maybe even in the new year, or any projects that you could share with us. Sure. Interesting question. I've also been thinking a lot about that, especially as we're kind of getting to the end of this promotional cycle for the record, right? You know, first you make the music and then you you make the product and then you promote the product. And now it's almost time to start thinking about what's next. Um, we have some tunes from these recording sessions that didn't make the record. And I'm realizing that I think they need some other instruments. So I'm thinking about adding guitar or some keyboards or some effects and maybe doing a sort of extension to this record that will have some additional tunes. Um, another thing that I've been kicking around is it's probably time for me to make a Hammond organ trio record again with guitar and drums. So that's on the docket for sure. And then lastly, um, I've worked for years with an amazing house music, world house music producer named Joe Joaquin Clausel. And, um, We've made hundreds of tracks for other people. Um, and for years, he and I have been talking about producing a record together. Um, whether it would be under my name or under both of our names, I don't know. So that's something that we're trying to figure out right now is how we can take this more than 20 year collaboration and, you know, turn it into something more personal for ourselves instead of, uh, working on these tracks for other people. Interesting. And what, what is your uh, live performance schedule coming up? And, and also, what's the best way for people to keep up with all of the news and kind of all the live dates? Yeah, um, I'm not touring with this band a lot. I would definitely like to book some more gigs. And if you're interested, you know, please reach out to us, friends out there. Um, we have some performances in New York City area coming up, and we just got back from three dates in New Mexico. Um, but I do need to get back to work booking some more things. So BennettPastor.com is a great place to just keep track of what I'm up to. That's P-A-S-T-E-R, uh, B-E-N-N-E-T-T, P-A-S-T-E-R.com. And I do always keep my live performances there, including things I do as a sideman around New York City a lot. But I am busy a lot working in my recording studio as a producer and uh, tracking keyboards for other people, as well as working as a sideman. So, um, you know, hopefully we will get mo some more trio dates going. That's definitely a goal uh, with this record. Um, but I'm always busy doing a lot of other in interesting things. So please do stop by and, and have a look and have a listen. All right. Excellent. Bennett, well, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a great pleasure chatting with you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, Matt. Appreciate your support. you enjoyed my conversation with Bennett Pastor and his new album Radiance is available now. And if you love jazz and vinyl, be sure to check out our Jazz A's Vinyl Club. Join the club and we will send you four premium limited edition color vinyl albums mailed directly to you. Just go to jazzays.com and click on Join Vinyl Club for more. 
Anna's music from Radiance by Bennett Pastor plays us out. I encourage you to keep an eye out for more Jazzy's podcasts, our print magazine and other great content available to you on our regularly updated website, jazzies.com. And if you like what you see, you can always subscribe for more. Till the next time, this is Matt Mikuchi signing off. See you soon.